This is exciting for me. I mentioned this last night on our show. There's a kid from the Little League World Series who made a very big impression, not only on me, but on the world. Watch this. Hi, my name's Alfred DeLeo. At home, they call me Big Al, and I hit dingers. Dingers. for today's message let's pray father we love you thank you for who you are jesus i I just pray right now that you would anoint me to speak your word to uh, do what you have called me to do and today jesus i pray with all of my heart that um for someone in this room this is advice this is teaching and this is truth all wrapped up in one that we're going to hear tonight that can bring so much revelation to an individual's life. But at the same time, this is also those words of wisdom that we can help teach our friends, our family, and our our kiddos. Guide us. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, there's a reason I'm sitting down is because I really want to have a conversation with you, and it's wrapped around the series. We're in this series called Stronger Me. It's a branch off of the series that we had right before it, Stronger Faith. And the reason why we wanted to put these two together and have a little branch off is that I explained last week when I was growing up, I knew a lot of people in my life who had faith in God, a lot of people who had faith in God, but very few of them actually had a practicing, practical uh, witness for God. Um, they, they, they believed in God. It's just they didn't have the practical arms and legs that came with it. They didn't walk in faith. They didn't d- operate in faith. They, they knew God. They just didn't have the practical side of it. And so what we've done is we've talked about stronger faith for, for like seven weeks. And then last week, can anybody tell me what I spoke on last week? Honor. That's right, on honor. And honor is one of those stronger me's that, that through faith in God, we now learn how to develop a stronger me by practicing something as sweet as honor. And that's, that's, that's important. We talk about the sweet spot. Living in the sweet spot to where we can drift off and find ourselves that if we live over here, if we find ourselves drifting from where God's best is, you'll never know God's best for your life. But when we get back to the sweet spot, the sweet spot, like things like honor, we find that it begins to shift. Doors begin to open. God begins to bless us. Things begin to happen because we're taking our faith and now extending our faith through things like honor. Well, today, I want to talk about something that I think is so important. So, so important. If we're going to live in the sweet spot, and if you're going to see your faith just skyrocket and grow, you've got to have stronger decisions. Stronger decisions. And let me tell you, you may look at that and think, but that's not really that revolutionary. I mean, that's not one of those things that's just revelation to the core. No, 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 no. This is huge. And let me tell you why. Try seeing God's best for your life and make poor decisions. Make, make a bad decision and see if you don't, don't just live with regret. 
and anger that you did it and frustration. And, and, and the sweet spot is getting to the point to where your faith now is extended into making stronger decisions. Let me, you know one thing we all have in common in this room today? We've all made bad mistakes. Has anybody ever chose unwisely in your life? Just a choice that you wish you could have got that one back. Yeah, yeah. And, and at the same, same time, have you ever made a good decision in your life? Yeah. And, and let me tell you what. Yeah, you're here. That's fantastic. Yes, a good, you made a good decision. You made a good decision. Which one would you like to choose over and over again? And so now you see why this is a lot bigger than you think it is. Okay, so today I'm going to dive into some things that, that I've learned over the years, okay, some things that I've been taught over the years, and then we're going to dive into some scripture that really kind of points out some things that, that a lot of times we don't see just how bad a bad decision can be. Okay, so we'll get to that. I want to show you something that's very important to me. When I was a young man, I've, I've told you this story before, but, but for those that haven't heard, this is, this is really the beginning for me. I went through a discipleship time in my life. 19 years old, I was discipled, but then the years kept going of, of like four or five years after that of men pouring into me, uh, d- depositing information, wisdom. There was a great businessman that I grew up with who, who really just deposited in me the book of Malachi. The book of Malachi just began to unfold for me. And the book of Malachi is very special to me. It's four chapters long. And the entire book is written about honoring God, seeing God as your father, loving God with all of your heart, okay? This book was so spectacular because it taught me how to be better at honoring God. And through it, this small series of choices and statements began to pop out that this man began to teach me. And you cannot believe what I'm about to show you and how much it has impacted my life in making better decisions. Now, before I show you this, you ought to write this down in your Bible. You ought to put this somewhere where you can see it. It's short, it's sweet, but it's something you can constantly go to if you want to make better decisions. And here's what it is. Many years ago, uh, my buddy taught me this. He said, We've got to, number one, if we're going to do something, we've got to make sure that we love God with all of our heart. Before anything else, before, in, we, before we get, uh, before anything else, before we get what we want, before we don't get what we want, before we make a step, before we do anything, we've got to make sure what we're about to do loves God with all of our heart. Because here's the reason behind it. If we can love God, we're following through on the first commandment. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul. And this is the thing to where we have to pay attention that before we do anything, do we have that first thing right? Okay? This is what Jesus did. Jesus, in all the ministry that he had, constantly pointed to his father because he loved his father with all of his heart. And it's something we have to stop and ask ourselves. Sometimes we get so busy that we get so focused on what we have to do we miss what the most important thing to do is. If we can't do number one, we might just be a hair off of sinner. And you know that a hair off of sinner means that right now it doesn't seem like that big a deal. But you add time to this and it gets further and further away from being true sinner. Tuffy Cooper told me a story one time many years ago about the old wagon trains. And every night before they would go to bed, they would take the tongue of the wagon and they would point it towards the North Star. 
And they would wake up every morning and the stars would be gone. You would have the sun coming up, but they would know true north because the night before they lined the tongue of the trailer up with the north star. From there, they knew exactly where north, south, east, and west was. And they were able to base their decisions on that day where they were going on the decision they made the night before. And I think for a lot of us, that's where it starts. What is your true north? What is the true north for your life? And if we base our decisions off of, I'm not going to do anything if it doesn't honor God first. I'm not going to do anything if, it doesn't, if, if I can't love God and what I'm going to do. If this doesn't give God the glory, I, I, I can't do it. This is true north. Number two, he says this, give God your best. And this is always ringing my heart. If we're going to do anything, let's give God our best. Let's give our be- God our best attitude. Let's give God our best actions. Let's give God our best decisions. Let's give God our best excitement. To love God with all of your heart and then to give him your best. How many knows that, that you can do something and your attitude can stink while you do it? Isn't that truth? Okay, a lot of, uh, not your kids, but a lot of other kids. When, when, they, when they take out the trash... When they take out the trash, how many knows that you could have taken the trash out if you knew all the belly aching that was going to take place by just taking the trash out? I, I could have done it myself. And if you look all throughout Scripture, you'll see that God t- turns and says, listen, if it, I, the thing I ask for isn't really the thing that I want. It's I want to see the heart in you doing what I ask you to do. The action the heart in doing it. You might as well just keep it, he says. Just just keep it. It's not it. And, and, and the older you get, you find that the finish line is just the finish line. But how you ran the race is what Paul says. That's what really matters. And so then the third one, and these two are so important. Love God with all your heart and give God your best. Love God with all your heart and give God your best. But the third one might just be my favorite one, okay? And here's why. Because if you don't know what to do, if you happen to get confused along the way, if you're frustrated and you've got a lot of flesh to work out, but you're slow but you're worth waiting on, just go back to step number one. And I can't tell you how many decisions in my life I was 50-50. I could have really gone both ways, but, but I just get away. And when I just get away, I just get alone with God and I, and I just get my heart right. Lord, I want to honor you with all of my heart. I want, to, I want to, at the end of my life, know that I chose you. I could care less about the decisions, but I choose you. And Father, in choosing you, I want to give you my best. I want to give you my best attitude. I want to give you my best heart. This is not about me. This is about you, Lord. And when I come back into making this decision, I still don't know what to do, but I'm kind of 5149 now. To where I didn't get the answer overnight, but I'm 5149, and then I get away. And I do the exact same thing. Lord, I'm going to love you with all of my heart, and i got to get my, my attitude right. And when I come back in, I still don't know what to do, but I'm kind of 52, 48. And it's still, if you've ever had the joy of making a decision instantly overnight, you knew exactly what to do, congratulations, that's rare. But I want to give you the peace to know that sometimes it may take a couple days, it may take a couple weeks, and it may take longer than that. But if we get these two things down, you can't make a bad choice. You can't make a bad choice. And if you get lost anywhere along the way, just simply go back to step number one. So cool. So cool.
Andy Stanley, one of my favorite pastors, wrote this incredible book about the greatest question ever asked, okay? And he bases it on this, this uh, statement that he makes, and he, he, he says this, if you're going to make a decision, think about these three things. Based on your past experiences, your current situation, and your future hopes and dreams, what is the best thing to do? I'll say it again. Based on your past experiences, your current situation, and your future hopes and dreams, what is the best thing to do? And his, his, his story goes like this, is that the reason why you go off your past experiences is because you really have to look at where you are, and sometimes where you are, you'll completely disregard of exactly how you know you are. And for a lot of us, we want to kind of blind ourselves to poor choices we've made before or tendencies that we have had, but no one knows you better than you know you. And if you look at, I get way too excited about things. And maybe before I choose something where I'm at, I should look at, I've made a lot of split decisions that I wish I hadn't have made. Probably the one thing I needed to do was just stop and pause and not make an impulse purchase. Just based on how I've done things before. Uh, here's another thing. I, I mentioned this the other day, uh, yesterday. I said, far too many people give their heart away too, way too quick. And if they would look at their past experiences, that, that lonely, lonely guys, for all the lonely guys in the room, you may sit here right now and say, God, I'm going to wait for your best. I'm going to wait for your best. I'm going to wait for your best. But if you look at your past experiences, all we need is a woman to sneeze right now, and you're going to give your heart away. That's all we need. Here here it is. I love you. Would you marry me? I love you so much. And if you would just stop for a minute and just go, you know what? I have not made good decisions in the past. It makes you pause and realize that maybe we should slow down a little bit. Second thing is your current situation. Most of us have big dreams. We have big ideas. But we don't look at our current situation. And your current situation mixed with your past experiences gives you great wisdom on what you can do. And the third thing is, don't think for one bit that we don't know that God puts things in people's hearts. We want God's best. We want God's plan. We want the things that he wants for us to search and to find, to see that God is good and has great things for us. We don't want to lose that. But when we mix all three of those with our, based on our past experiences, our current situations, and our future hopes and dreams, what's the best decision that needs to be made? Yesterday I had a young bareback rider that was here, and he had come into church, and his heart was a little sad, and the reason why is because God was dealing with him with something and a decision that he needed to make. And I just, I, I taught this message. And afterwards, he came up and gave me the biggest hug. He said, thank you. He says, I turned a bucking horse out in Ellensburg for this weekend. And the reason why is because all these situations and all this stuff, and I just felt like based on the way things have gone in the past, where my current situation is, and what my future hopes and dreams that I believe God's taking me into, I sat here and I just knew. I didn't know how. I didn't, put, I didn't have three points to turn the bucking horse out in Ellensburg, but I just felt like I needed to turn the bucking horse out in Ellensburg. And then I'm depressed. I don't want to go to church. And I end up coming to church. 
And I hear this statement, and it makes me think, oh my gosh, that's how I came to that conclusion. Based on my past experiences, I have been in financial trouble and went ahead and bought the plane ticket to only get to the rodeo and it not pay for the plane ticket. And I ended up paying for the plane ticket for the next six months of rodeo. And I hated that experience. My current situation, I didn't take a look at where I was. And my future hopes and dreams is, what are my future hopes and dreams? He says, I've lived there in confusion for way too long. He says, for the first time in my life, I ever felt like today... I can go ahead with my life and make better decisions. And I thought that was so cool. Second thing. So we just covered that, okay? This is something I don't think we should ever forget. For all the the Gen Xers, you will remember this one. You ready? Here we go. What would Jesus do? Yeah. Yeah. So for all the millennials in the room, let me tell you a funny thing about all the 40-year-olds and over in the room. There was a day that people actually got this tattooed on their bodies, okay? There was a day that we actually wore T-shirts that would actually say WWJD. Uh, I actually have a uh, little sticker that somebody gave me that says, what would Jesus shoot? And it was a hunter Jesus holding a rifle. And anyway, that, this is funny. But as, as, as flashback as that is, okay, as retro as that is, as 30 years ago as that is, is does it not still stand? And if we're going to make stronger decisions, and we're going to get some teaching here in a minute, we're, going to, we're rattling through this, do you not think that's a question we should ask ourselves on a daily basis? Yesterday, I was really proud of Brady. Brady woke up not feeling good. He didn't feel good. He definitely had a cold. It was in his chest. It was in his nose. He had drainage, the whole nasty thing. But he also had a Sunday morning to where he was committed to work at the kids' church, okay? So Brady comes in, and he just sounds like, this. Dad, I don't feel good. I said, man, you don't sound good. He goes, I don't know what to do. And have you ever been at that place where you were sick enough that you could easily crawl back in bed, but you were not sick enough to know that you could probably go get your job done? You don't know that day. You don't know that feeling. No, I'm, I'm going back to bed. I, I have no clue what you're talking about, Ty. Well, Brady had to make a decision. I'm like, I, I, I feel good enough. I, don't, I feel bad enough I could go back to bed, but I feel good enough I could actually go. And he said, I, have, I, I don't know what to do, Dad. I don't know what to do. And I said, hey, I can tell you what I'm preaching on today. He said, what are you preaching on? And I said, I'm preaching on what would Jesus do? Brady goes, Crap. Like that. I said, buddy, I don't want to tell you what to do. I don't want to tell you what to do. But I think that's a question that we've got to ask ourselves. In your current situation, what would Jesus do? And Brady goes, those kids are counting on me. I need to get over there. And he hops in the shower and he showers. And he did both services yesterday. And then he, he has one that he has off. I was very proud of him. And what was the joy about it is I didn't make him do it. I didn't tell him he had to do it. It was a decision he made on his own, all based on asking a question. And if we stop and think long enough about the decisions that we need to make, don't you think that's a great question that we need to ask? Did Jesus ever get frustrated with people? And he did. He flipped tables. There's going to be a time in your life you know you need to stand up for something. Okay? There's a time in your life you need, know you need to watch your anger. And there's a time that you know that you need to do what you need to do. But you know that Jesus knew what he needed to do. Was there a time that Jesus didn't say anything? You bet he did. At the cross. Before Pontius Pilate. He didn't say a thing. And, and there are times you need to learn how to be quiet too. Just don't say anything. You're speaking to fools. 
The people who want to hear what you have to say don't want to hear what you have to say. You might as well just save your words. Don't dig a ditch. Let God protect you. There are times that you need to realize. Sometimes we need to realize, what would Jesus do? And a lot of times in our hurry-go lifestyle, we do want to be promoted. We want to see our, 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 our world get bigger. We want to see the prophet come in. But, but the thing is, is that there were times that Jesus said, hey, you've got to remember, in the kingdom of God, who's the greatest? The one who serves. And in the world we're in right now, it's the one who gets served. That's the greatest. And what would Jesus do? He would say, hey, don't forget that my kingdom works like this. The one who serves everyone is the greatest in my kingdom. See, this is a great question for every one of us, every one of us. And the more we get to know Jesus, the more we're going to be able to know what Jesus would do. And the more we know what Jesus would do, the more we're going to have stronger decisions. Uh, This is so rich. Okay, so how are we doing so far? Good. Because now it's fixing to shift. And I want you to take your Bibles, and I want you to go to Proverbs chapter 1. Is that where we're going? Proverbs chapter 1, and in Proverbs chapter 1, I've got to make sure that I'm right here. Proverbs chapter 7 is what I meant. In Proverbs chapter 7, verse 6, okay, it brings up two scenarios, okay? And the first scenario is this, not everybody makes good decisions. We just covered two fantastic things, but now I want to kind of shine a light on how we may not always want what God wants, and we may not always love God to want what he wants or give God our best, and at the same time, it may not be something where we go off our past experiences, our current situation, our future hopes and dreams, and sometimes, sometimes people don't ask, what would Jesus do? And there are three scenarios, two we're going to talk about, I hope we get to the third one, but these are people in Scripture that you have to stop and pause and realize that we can learn so much if we learn about how they did it wrong. Proverbs, this portion of Proverbs chapter 7 is written by what would be, some consider the wisest man who ever lived, King Solomon, okay? And the joy about this portion of scripture is that he is literally writing to his son to give him wisdom to pass down to, to his kids and his grandkids. And the joy about it is we get to experience it today. And the first person that we bring up today is the naive person. Uh, naive is an interesting word, especially if we start talking about a little hometown kid who's never just seen the big world. He's a big fish in a small pond. And if there's anywhere this needs to be read, it's in Cowboy Junction Church tonight. And let me just tell you, I am about the most naive person on the planet. I personally think that everybody wants everybody to succeed. I personally feel like that there is not one crook out there. That everybody just, they're they're good people who just did bad things. You know? And, And I can be the most naive person on the planet. So, with that... Just to give you a breath of fresh air, let you know I'm the most naive. You might be number two, okay? But what does King Solomon say about naive people? Check out what he says. At the window of my house, I looked out. Down through the lattice, I saw among the simple. I noticed among the young men, a youth who had no 
sense. I think that's so interesting. A kid walking down the street who you can just tell he didn't know the type of street he was on, who lived on that type of street, and he was about to get himself in trouble. He was going down the street near her corner, so y'all can kind of see the direction this is going to go, can't you? Walking along in the direction of her house. Verse 9. At twilight, as the day was fading, as the dark of night set in, then it came, and out came a woman to meet him, dressed like a prostitute and with crafty intent. Next verse. With persuasive words, verse 21, she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. And all at once he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter. Stop. The reason why I wanted to stop. The reason why I wanted to show you this is there was a gap between verse 10 and verse 21, and it's because it's the R-rated version that you're just going to have to go home and read at home, okay? But here's a kid who has no clue what's going on. But King Solomon is upstairs looking through his lattice, looking at a kid who is so naive to the way that the world works. And for it, I think the last part here sums it up. He followed her like a ox going to slaughter. Then it says this. Not knowing, little knowing, that it would cost him his life. So there's going to be naive people you know in your life. But here's the question. How do you know if you're naive or not? Isn't that a great question? How do you know if you're naive? Here's the answer. Naive people say, well, I didn't know. I just just didn't know. I didn't know. Did you know that if you started smoking when you were 14 years old, that it was going to lead to some big health problems later on in life? I didn't know. I I just didn't know. Did you notice that most of your credit card applications come when you're a freshman in college? You know why? Because I just thought they were giving money away. I just thought they were nice people. I didn't know. I didn't know. Have you ever noticed that it's your first love that you give the deepest love away, you know, your, your biggest heart. You give everything you got, not realizing that you're just a kid and you have no clue what deep love is, but your heart gets broken the most because we all have a naivety about us. And the thing about being naive is that there is wisdom all around us. Scripture tells us that God puts people in our life for wisdom. Scripture tells us that he puts mentors in our life for wisdom that he puts fathers, what would be considered fathers in our life as wisdom. But most importantly, he tells us that scripture guides our life so that we are not naive, that we can walk with wisdom. So for all the people in the room that you go, I'm a little too naive. I'm a little too naive. And one of the things we have to start paying attention to is that can lead to decisions that aren't stronger decisions but are actually weak decisions if we just continue to stay naive for the rest of our life. There's a second group, okay? The second group would be considered the foolish. Now, Scripture also tells us this about the foolish. Uh, In fact, check this Scripture out. Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 26, verse 11. If this isn't the grossest Scripture you've ever heard in your life, it says this. As a dog returns to his own vomit... So a fool repeats his folly. Have you guys ever seen a dog throw up, walk away, turn back, walk back over to his puke and eat it? See, you can't get mad at me because I'm just quoting scripture. 
And that's the same way a fool is. You want to, if, if a naive person says, well, I just didn't know, I didn't know. A fool would say, I know, but I just don't care. I know. Hey, did you know that this is good? Yeah, I know. I don't care. You don't care? What do I care? Life's too short. Like, I care. Who cares? And, and the dangerous thing about this is, is wisdom is way too precious for a fool. In fact, King Solomon again, in chapter one, you can turn there, gives one of the coolest illustrations of what wisdom is. Wisdom is all the things he could have painted wisdom as. He wanted to give this long-lasting impression in his son's head and in everybody's head about what wisdom looks like, okay? And he says that wisdom is a young woman, a beautiful, beautiful young woman who when she walks into the room, everybody goes, oh, wisdom, she is so pretty. Have you ever talked to wisdom? She is so cool. Oh, the other day, me and Wisdom had coffee, and she is about the coolest thing ever. She's so pretty. Oh, she is, isn't she? She's so pretty. And this idea of what wisdom would be, this beautiful young woman who gracefully walks into a room, and everyone says, wisdom. And the reason why he wanted to express what she looked like is he wanted to express what it would be like to be a fool who didn't celebrate when wisdom walked in. And this is what he says. Out in the open wind, wisdom calls aloud. She raises her voice in the public square. On top of the wall, she cries out. So imagine this beautiful woman crying out to a city. I'm here. I'm here. And at the city gates, she makes her speech. Next verse. How long will you who are simple, those who are naive, Love your simple ways. How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? Repent at my rebuke. Then I will pour out my thoughts to you. I will make known to you my teachings. Okay, stop, stop. This is so cool because she is making the statement, not everybody wants to hear me. Everybody thinks I'm beautiful, but nobody wants, some people don't want me. But for those who do, I will give you my teaching. But look at the very next thing she says, 24. But since you refuse to listen when I call, and no one pays attention when I stretch out my hand, since you disregard all of my advice, and do not accept my rebuke, 26, I in turn will laugh when disaster strikes you. I will mock when calamity overtakes you. When calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind, when disaster and trouble overwhelm you, verse 28, then they will call to me, but I will not answer. They will look for me, but will not find me, since they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord. Is there a next one? Since they would not accept my advice and spurned my rebuke, they will eat the fruit of their ways and will be filled with the fruit of their schemes. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them, and the complacency of the fools will destroy them. Verse 33, but, everybody say but, whoever listens to me 
will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. Let me just tell you, this is huge. And the reason why this is so big is because it addresses two key things to be a strong and stronger decision maker. Number one, if you're just too naive, there is calamity that can come your way. And the simple-minded who just think that everything is going to be great and everything's going to turn out well, we know this, all good things happen to, the Lord, to those who serve the Lord, who are called according to his purpose. And we know this, that those who are called by God are discipled in Christ Jesus. We all have to grow. You can't stay simple. And the next one is, is for the fool who says, I know, but I don't care. It will catch up with you because wisdom walks into the room and when she walks out, you can't get her back. Sometimes you have to live with the poor choice you made. Now, here's the dangerous thing, okay? Yesterday was a really awkward day for our church, uh, specifically me. Uh, I made this statement yesterday about just some of the dumb decisions we make, okay? One of the things that I said was wrapped around used car salesmen. And I turned to everybody in our church and I said, credit card companies, they're not bailing you out once they got you in, are they? Everybody's like shaking their head, no stinking credit card companies and I turned to the whole church and I said hey you know that really super friendly used car salesman who was your best friend and I mean he he called you every day to see if you still wanted the car and finally you said I think I'm gonna take it and you took the car and ended up being the worst purchase you ever made in your life did he ever call you back that's some pretty music oh you, you can just you can turn it off don't just turn it off you know that, that, uh, that used car salesman, he didn't call you back, did he? And like, no, he didn't. Well, after service, this used car salesman came up and talked to me about, um, about throwing all the used car salesmen under the bus. And, and, you know, I always come up with great comebacks after they're gone. Do y'all ever do the same thing? Yesterday in the, in the other services, I got to explain a little bit better. Here's, here's the dangerous part. If you've ever made a bad decision because of a foolish choice in your life, and you read that, what we just read, Proverbs chapter 1, you think, oh my gosh, am I in trouble for the rest of my life? And, and what I need you to do is call a timeout and remember that of the, re, the redeeming power of our Lord Jesus Christ. When you accepted Christ as your Savior, it is forgiven and forgotten, and you are now a new creation in Christ Jesus. And all things work out to good, for good, for those who are in the Lord, who are in Christ Jesus. That is so important. Now, in that, I need you to be able to turn to everybody else and say, Ty needs to preach on this. Because some of you haven't made the poor choices that other people have made yet. And so for everybody in the room that you're like, that just sucks, Ty, you're gonna preach this and make me feel bad? No, 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 we need you to say, this needs to be preached. And it's not making me feel bad because I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. But if someone would have preached this when I was going through my time of rebellion and foolishness, I might not have experienced what I experienced from making 
poor choices. Does this make sense? The naive say, I didn't know. The foolish say, I know, but I don't care. But wisdom is saying, I'm in the room. I'm in the room. Does anybody want to hear what I have to say? There's one more, and we're going to wrap this up. There's one more foolish person described. It brings it up here. The mocker. The reason why I want to bring this up is because the mocker is the most dangerous of all three. The mocker is the one who's the foolish person on a whole nother level. The mocker not only wants to be a fool, but now destroy anybody who wants to walk in wisdom. Here's my experience of being a pastor. 20 years, can y'all believe that? 20 years of being a pastor. The mockers that I have met in my life usually have a platform, have money, and some sort of power to where it's so easy to gather people around them to destroy someone for standing up for wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says this in Proverbs, you got to get away from a mocker. Run for your life. Don't try to change them. Don't try to fix them. Don't try to do anything. Run as fast as you can. Separate yourself from them. Get as far away. Because these people are so far into foolishness, they're actually instruments of the devil to destroy the things of God. So I don't know why that's important, why somebody needed to hear that today. But there's something inside of all of us that we think we can fix everybody. And there's some people that you just need to grab your things and run as fast as you can. We all need to make stronger decisions. And in making stronger decisions, we gotta love God. We gotta give him our best. Based on your past experiences, your current situation, and your future hopes and dreams, what's the best decision for you and your family? And one of the most time-tested, coolest statements ever. What would Jesus do? Can I pray for you? Lord, I just pray for my friends. And today, Father, I just thank you that you're here and you're real and you have a plan and you have a purpose. And Father, they have been so kind and so generous tonight with their attention. But in this, Lord, this is the arms and legs and feet of doing what you've called us to do. It's one thing to say we believe in you. It's one thing to have faith in you. But it's another thing when our decisions get stronger because of our faith in you. I pray for anyone in the room that you, Holy Spirit, has just begun to reveal in them. I'm a a little too naive. I'm a little too naive. Father, grow me up. Grow me up. Father, for those in the room that can recognize some foolishness, this is how I am, this is how I'll always be, and nothing's going to change me. Well, that's not faith, and that's not faith in you. So Lord, begin to break that old crusty shell and get down to the heart of the true you in us. 
past foolishness. May we embrace wisdom. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. The greatest decision I ever made in my life was the day that I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. That's where wisdom begins. And if we're going to make better decisions, I want you to know one of the greatest joys I'll ever have is telling people about Jesus. If you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, I'm going to be sticking around after church, and I'd love for you to just walk up to me and say, Pastor Ty, I would love to know more about how I accept Christ as my Savior. And, And we can do that. Our prayer team's here, and if there's anything they can pray with you about, they would love to pray with you. But uh, would you stand on your feet? It's time for us to love God, love people, and have no limits in our life. I love you. Jesus loves you. Don't you ever forget it. God bless you guys, and have a great week in the Lord. See you later.